The 54-year-old suspect known in the community was arrested in Cradock on Monday and brought to Cape Town. He led detectives to the body. Young Tazni's life had been cut short allegedly by a man on parole. Her body was dumped in a stormwater drain a hundred kilometers from her family home in Elsis River. Van Vigs and Samantha Filion has slammed government, saying their child would still be alive if the alleged perpetrator had not been paroled. Mr. President, Mr. President, how could you allow such people to come out? How many children must still die? How many, Mr. President? We ask you, who will be released December? Another group? I really hope all of you that had a head do not sleep. Tears of the parents and family. On receiving the news that her child is dead, Tazni's mother collapsed. Outraged community members gathered at the family home. That's why criminals come, come away with this. They commit crimes, go into jail, come out again on bail and do the same thing again. Commissioner for the Human Rights Commission, Chris Nissen, has reiterated calls for the establishment of a commission of inquiry into child killings. I think government must take those recommendations from the trauma centre very seriously and those talking about these issues. And if government have listened to those commission's recommendations, we perhaps would have prevented this kind of thing. Last month, 12-year-old Michaela Williams from Pelican Park was also murdered, allegedly by a 48-year-old suspect who had been out on parole after a rape conviction. Cape Town Mayor Dan Plato visited Van Vick's family. He says men need to look into themselves. It is the men assaulting the women. It's the men raping the women. It is the men brutally killing the women. And I do not believe there is enough focus on the role of the men in society. The 54-year-old suspect in the Van Vick case is expected to appear in the Goodwood Magistrates Court on Friday on a charge of murder. Police have not ruled out adding more charges as the investigation continues. I'm Tandy Somawi in Cape Town. And that is why we're asking you that very important question this morning. It all relates to parole and uh, uh, parole that's granted to perpetrators who are found guilty of rape and murder. Should they be granted parole? That is the question we also want to uh, pose to the department. So that's all coming up. We're going to shortly uh, speak to uh, uh, to Crispin Peary, the spokesperson for the Department of Justice and Correctional Services on this issue. We want to see if we can get hold of him because that parole conditions that have again come under the spotlight after the death, uh, the deaths of uh, Tasnif van Vaik and the deaths of four other children in Limpopo uh, killed by their dad or their father. Uh, and we will be joined by Crispin shortly. In fact, we got uh, Crispin Peary, the spokesperson for the Department of Justice and Correctional Services on the line. A very good morning to you and welcome. Good morning and uh, good morning to our listeners. Uh, Mr. Peary, first and foremostly, your reaction uh, to the parole conditions uh, that was given to the person who killed the latest young lady, the young uh, girl, Tazni van Vaik. Firstly, we need to just, uh, we want to apologize um, to the family of Ms. Van Vaik and our deepest condolences. We have done a, a factual analysis of what is happening in this matter. And what we have found is that this individual was convicted of culpable homicide in 2010 and ultimately released in 2016, and uh, released on parole in 2016. The individual subsequently absconded parole um, late last year, and now has been found in the Eastern Cape. And now it is believed that he's linked to this case. 
Um, so it is a peculiar set of facts in that uh, it's an individual who had still somehow evaded the process of rehabilitation whilst in the community as well. Because you would recall that whilst you're in the community, you still undergo rehabilitation, but at least it is not at a center. It is within the community. And we are still investigating, indeed, from a police perspective, whether the individual is directly linked to the crime. But it seems as though the police are confident that he is, he is indeed the person who has committed this crime, although he was found in the Eastern Cape. So, uh, nonetheless, so we, it, is, it is quite a concern that we have uh, individuals who recede in this manner. And the minister has taken a personal note that we seem to have a high rate of recidivism, particularly in the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. And so we have commissioned a special research project to ensure or to assess what causes this recidivism, particularly in this jurisdiction, because uh, our thinking is that we cannot have a blanket approach to this type of problem. There needs to be a proper deep dive that helps us really address the problem systematically. Yes, that deep dive that you're talking about, does that perhaps also point to maybe a gap within the parole system that needs to be addressed? The, the first gap, though, is actually the rehabilitation itself. Does it really um, do what it's supposed to do? Are we are we rehabilitating individuals in a satisfactory manner? Uh, and that's what that's a question that is a hard question to answer, and it's a question that we must be able to answer with a deep sense of authority. The second question is yes, the parole system itself. You would recall that, particularly in the Western Cape, uh, many years ago, and I think uh, it was Rashid Tahi late, who was a, 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 a example of this, where they had a, a pilot system where they ran um, tags, uh, they had tags where they could tag where parolees are at any given point. Unfortunately, it was unraveled that there was uh, some level of corruption in that uh, tagging system. And so that, that particular pilot, I think, the pilot project got cancelled somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. But that is where we are thinking in the long run. We were able to tag individuals across uh, who are on parole where we could know where they are every minute of the day. So we don't have a situation where individuals like this abscond and and and, and if it's true then go cause harm for the harm of society. Now the Justice Minister Ronald Lamona sometime last year has uh, promised to take calls for a referendum for the return of the death sentence to cabinet. Has this already happened and, and where is that particular process at this point in time? So the minister did say that cabinet in its work does discuss what's in current affairs. It may be possible that the issue of the death penalty will be uh, will, will feature as a current affairs matter. Uh, but we did then issue a very a clear statement to say that um, the death penalty is actually not up for discussion because we are clear that this is something that uh, does not solve the crime, rampant criminality in South Africa, and across the world as well, it is clear that uh, the death penalty does not become a deterrent for crime. It does not solve the crime question. Instead, what you have is a vengeful state that responds with violence. And we know the history of the death penalty in this country. It's not something that we're willing to bring back as a country. Because anyway, the Constitutional Court has made it quite clear that it is not something that deals with crime. What deals with crime, what solves crime, is the fact that an individual will get apprehended and the individual will get incarcerated. And, we, and we've seen that since the introduction or since the, 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 the abolishment of the death penalty, particularly in South Africa, although we do have a high rate of crime, 
um, they are substantially lower than it was when the death penalty was around. Mm-hmm. So but would, we do know that. Yes. Yeah. But, but would the public be justified in saying that the justice system is failing them and, and that the system is too soft on criminals, especially those rapists and murderers? Well, in this instance, and we're looking at, I think it, it's, not, it's not fair to generalize all the time. Yes, there are individuals who commit these crimes, and they are heinous crimes, I, I want to say that. They're not like crimes that we take lightly. Um, and one of the things that government is looking at, maybe just to respond directly to that, is, you know, people have said that, okay, so an individual commits a crime, and let's not specify what the crime is, and then somehow they go to our correctional facilities. When they do get rehabilitated, they get rehabilitated to a point where they're able to even come out with a proper education in a, in, in, in eventually out of these correctional facilities. But then what happens to the victims who have been robbed of a sister or a father? And so we are looking at a victim's bill, um, which will really address the victims from a substantive point of view. I mean, if you have someone, a breadwinner taken from your family, you know, you, you are really almost, let me say, decapacitated for life. So we're going to look at ways to say how do we, and I think from a social development perspective, um, this is where the thing is coming from, how do we address such issues? But the fact of the matter is that we have reconciled ourselves with the society. We, we, we said that we are, we are a society that looks at individuals and we say you are not your crime. These individuals are not products of the justice system. They are products of the very same society that they come, we come from. Mm-hmm. These individuals are our own brothers. They are our own uncles. They are our own fathers to some extent. And so the other question that we need to ask ourselves from a social development perspective is, what is it about our society that produces these individuals? All right, Chris Manoff, thank you so much for your time and coming through so early in the morning and on short notice.